0: You know the show. You're to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Wow. What matters to me today? i tell you what matters to me today. I got a friend in the studio. It's always good to have a friend in the studio with you. You know, it gets a little, nah, I'm not going to say it gets lonely in the studio. I'm always good with myself when I'm in the studios, but it's always good to have a friend join me. And I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep a little secret. I'm not going to tell you who my friend is. I'm just going to. Just wait a little bit. I'm going to invite my friend onto the show. But I'll tell you what else matters to me. I am back. Of course, you know I took a little trip. Uh, I had to go back to the Midwest, to the heart of it all, and to the Hall of Fame city, and got a chance to, to see some good friends and have some good time. And uh, of course, a uh, good friend, Buckeye, born and bred, <laughs> even when he's dead. H O F R. Wow. Chris Carter in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Shout out to Chris and, you know, all the fellas. It was just an exciting time. And, and, and the Dallas Cowboys came in, into the city there. And uh, the folks there, and I want to thank the mayor. Mayor Healy was outstanding uh, and, and so gracious to attend uh, a few of the events that I was involved in. I also want to thank those folks at the Canton Club. Uh, just an outstanding job that uh, that Chuck and Steve did uh, to 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 welcome me there and, and the folks, of course, and uh, just an outstanding job of uh, just supporting. And, of course, my good friend from the Dog Pound, Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield. Um Minnie and Dick stopped in and we had a, a great time. A lot of good folks uh, also want to thank uh, the superintendent of schools, of Kenton City Schools, uh, Adrian Allison, for, for stopping in and spending time. We got a chance to see some of them. My old friends, uh, some of my old coaches, Coach H- Coach Hedricks was in. Coach Infantides came, stopped in. And good friends, Rick Suggs. I I just had an outstanding time. My sister stopped in. We we had a great time. I saw so many friends, too many to mention. But those folks right there, of course, I could not. Uh, Fonda Williams, shout out to Fonda Williams, who uh, I understand is doing great things in the city of Canton, and, mm, Maybe. Something's on the horizon. You might think about what's on the horizon and what what doors are opening for Fonda. But uh, I I just want to thank my hometown, the Hall of Fame City, Canton, Ohio, for being a gracious host to all those people from all over the world that came in to experience football's greatest weekend in the Hall of Fame City. I traveled around and uh, reminisced a little bit about my time and growing up in Canton. Boy, I went to the northeast side of town, the southeast side of town, and southwest uh you know and of course uh hall of fame city out there uh i mean the hall of fame out there and i think mm, that might be the northwest part of town right off of 77 and you know took a look at uh, my high school the old and the new mckinley high school and uh and the stadium oh my goodness the stadium they have just done a tremendous job with the Uh, remodeling of the stadium, of course, and and the extension of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If there's any man or woman alive that is a football fan, put it on your bucket list. You cannot afford to leave this earth and not go to, as they say, football heaven. Pro Football Hall of Fame is football heaven. Uh, My favorite um, experience of being in Pro Football Hall of Fame is always the theater talking about rocking the house, (laughs) it rocks your seat. Uh, It's an emotional experience, one that I guarantee you, you will never, ever forget. So if you ever get a chance, and I I couldn't think of a better time to go to Canton, Ohio, than Pro Football Hall of Fame weekend. So next year, I will be back there. I'll be back there every year at the Canton Club, and uh, we'll have some festivities that everybody and anybody can partake in. Uh, going to bring all my, my, my friends that, uh, like me will have been blessed to have an opportunity to, to walk on the field of a National Football League team and, and have, a, a, an event of which everybody will be welcome to attend. So I look forward to that. So right now what I want to do is, it's baseball season, but, but it's, it's football season too. And, and, and there's a lot going on with NC2A. Uh, there's a lot going on with, uh, with sports, period. And a lot of controversy about A-Rod, about Pete Rose, you know, Johnny Football, Philadelphia Eagles, Arizona Cardinals, Honey Honey Badger, Honey Bear. He's doing some good things out here. So uh, let me just start off by doing this. Many times in life, you know, athletes get a chance to uh, get some exposure that the average person who is not involved in athletics and is not in entertainment, uh, sometimes those experiences, they, they pass them by. And it really is something different when you have an opportunity, particularly with today's technology, to speak to people all over the world and just, and just be in the studio and have fun. So I'm going to share that experience uh, with a young man. I-, I talked about pro football's greatest weekend being Hall of Fame weekend uh, for the folks in Canton, Ohio. That is our Super Bowl. But everybody else celebrates the Super Bowl on oh, its normal day of event. And and one day, I think it was in 2007, uh, I was actually invited back by a church group back in Pennsylvania and asked to come share uh, the Super Bowl with them at at an event of which they were having. And uh, it was at that time that a mm, a young man probably might have been about 12 years old, maybe 13 at the most, uh, walked up to me and asked me um, after I had done my presentation, what was I going to do? in terms of watching the game did i have any place to watch the game and i said no i as a matter of fact i was going to go back to my hotel room and watch the super bowl by myself in western pennsylvania cold as yeah it's cold as hell i can say that <laughs> and so uh, i didn't want to do that and he didn't want me to do that and uh me and this young man has i, I mean we've we've stayed in touch over the years uh he's a uh I'm going to call him a lot older because at that age, when you go from 12 and you put, you know, seven years in your life, 12 to 19, that's like a lifetime to you. But, of course, you know, to us older folks, you know, it's not that many years, not even a decade. Uh, But I've stayed in touch with him uh, and even come uh, to know his dad. uh, But I have watched the young man grow from afar. Uh, A young man who's a college student now and a college athlete, baseball player in his sophomore year. At Geneva College, playing for the Golden Tornadoes, and I'm going to welcome the catcher of uh, Geneva College and the Golden Tornadoes, Aaron Whitman, to the show. Aaron, how you doing, man?
1: Pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm
0: doing great, man. Now, I understand you and your dad out here in Arizona... A lot warmer than it is back home in Pennsylvania.
1: It's a, it's a different type of heat here. I mean, it's dry as opposed to the humidity that you get in Pennsylvania. So but it, it's, but it's, it's hot, am it, I right? It's, it's hot.
0: <laughs> and so, uh, let, let me ask you something. You, you're here, you're watching the Arizona, uh, I'm sorry, you're watching the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks uh, play in an indoor facility. Could you imagine what it might be like if you were asked to catch in 110 degree weather? On a regular basis, 60-some-odd games. You think you could handle that? I don't think they could. That's oh, why they no. moved them there's inside. No, huh? There's
1: no way to handle that. No I mean,
0: way to handle that, huh?
1: 105, degree heat in July, there's no way to do that without the indoors here in Arizona, no.
0: Well, let me ask you something. You, you, you're a catcher. And, and I got to say, you know, I grew up, you know, one of the first organized sports that I played when I was a kid uh, was baseball. And as a matter of fact, the first uh, championship and organized uh, team sport, Uh, That I played was was baseball. You know, it was uh, the Canton Mighty Mice. We were the Lions. We we won the city championship uh, when I was uh, 10 years old. And, you know, I played I was a pitcher and and I played right field. And every now and then I played a little first base. But you couldn't pay me to catch, man. (laughs) Let me ask being a catcher. Is this do you start off? Uh, obviously when we're kids playing baseball out in you know on the field just playing with each other you don't have too many catchers you know we don't even we don't have anybody catching you know we, we if you do you it's nothing like nothing you, you, exactly but when did you put your first face mask on and think hey man this is kind of cool i might want to do this
1: uh, i don't know i mean i caught when i was little because they just needed somebody to stick back there and i guess i was the only one dumb enough to do it but uh I started catching more Is there a
0: fear factor when you're behind the plate as a catcher as a kid when you start off?
1: Oh yeah, of course there is. You're getting stuff thrown at you and you don't know exactly what you're doing, I mean. So it's scary whenever the coach is like, "Okay, now this guy who is 4 years older than you going to start throwing at you." I'm like, "Okay, I'll try to defend myself, nothing else." So I mean. And what about the I mean, the fact that there's an there there's an obstacle in front of you that's
0: swinging? And that could possibly hit you if you're lined up too close in so your glove, your head, you know, uh, and, and it obstructs your vision. So you got a, a fastball that's not real fast at that age, not, not real fast but, but it's still is coming at you and you got to try to concentrate and catch that when somebody's swinging. again. Is that something is that a natural thing to do for you or was it something a talent you kind of acquired as you each time you got behind as you became a little bit more comfortable with
1: doing that? Well, you never start out with the person swinging in front of you. You never start out with the hitter. So, I mean, that's easy, easier not to have to deal with the hitter with the bat in front of you. But once it's it's all a matter of comfort. Like, you're going to get scared with the first time you see the bat coming through the zone or the first time the fastball is coming out of your face. But, I mean, it's all knowing knowing what you're doing, knowing who's throwing to and whatnot. So, I mean... Nothing you can't handle, yeah, I
0: think you know, but it's, it it's really something like most things in life when people are good at something, they try to simplify it, and you know and the simplicity of it, oh it's not that big of a deal, I guarantee you uh out of the nine people that are on you know on the baseball field. Probably eight of them would not want to get behind the plate. <laughs> only the first who wants to get behind their catch is the catcher. Um, and so, I mean, that, that's a unique position. And, and and not only that, you know, catchers are normally, if you go through a football team, and who do you think the toughest guy on the, I mean, on the baseball team, who the toughest guy, is probably the catcher most of the time, you know? Yeah. He's, he's got kind of a chip on his shoulder. Have you, uh, people ever describe you? How do people describe catchers? when you think about the personality of, of most catchers in, in baseball?
1: It really depends where you are. Uh, sometimes they'll be like, oh, these cat, catchers usually don't care about themselves, like, or they don't care, just they're there, and they do what they need to. Usually they don't have a whole lot of smarts behind them because if you're sitting back there in July or when you're starting, they're always like, yeah, he's the only one who's too dumb enough to get back here, or too dumb, so I mean... We're not looked upon real, real intelligently. I that, say. You know, and
0: that's very interesting for me because, first of all, you're calling the game.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. You're catching the ball uh, most of the time. Like I said, he's the toughest guy. Uh, I, I think even if you walk out on the field, there's no doubt in my mind. When I walked out on the field, you knew who the catcher on the other team was. I mean, there's just something about the catcher that that it's a it's a compliment. And certainly, from my perspective, for, of those who don't have any complimentary words or things to say about catchers, I, I, they're probably not—they're probably not respectful athletes. Let's just say that <laughs> because there's been something in somebody who's who's made a couple comments, and we're going to get into that later, uh, that didn't really have the respect for maybe his other his colleagues, his current colleagues. But no, I would not say that, as a matter of fact, I, I would I would speak very highly. Of catchers, would you say they're the most athletic of all the people on the field at that at that time? Or would you say there's another position that you may say they have a little bit more athletic ability?
1: Athletic ability is a confusing thing to talk about in baseball. I mean, it's not like football or basketball where you're running and jumping constantly. You're you're at rest, and then it's that split second that it's from nothing to go 100%. So, I mean, as catchers, we move six feet each way maybe. So, I mean, that doesn't take a whole lot of athleticism. I mean, it's difficult. But let's say if
0: you were playing some other sport, I mean, catchers, uh, would you say of the catchers that you know, hey, yeah, he he could play baseball, he could play basketball, he could play football, he could play tennis, he could play hockey, he could play whatever, you know. How does that work when you compare them to some other guys?
1: Catchers, I don't think we could all play other sports. I mean, if we grew up playing other sports, we are going to be able to, but we don't run. We sit there we crouch. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> so I mean, you see the center fielder, the shortstop, those guys who are moving, covering some ground. You're like, yeah, they're athletes. Catchers, we're ball players, and we're athletes second, more even third. Like,
0: wow, that that that's a, That's an interesting perspective, and, I, and I'm taking it, and I and I appreciate it coming from a catcher. Uh, unlike some other positions, you know, they will tell you in a minute. Oh, there's no doubt we are the best athletes on the field. So, as an example, if you were to ask me, uh, in terms of who are the best athletes on a football field. A D backs, mm, no doubt about. It. They're the defensive back, and then I may go as far as saying that uh, they probably are the safeties, you know, because those guys probably can do as well as as anybody else is able to perform on the field. They could probably perform that task equally, or if not better than than some others. So, but I tell you what, I think we got to take a break. I don't want to take a break, but we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun today. It's gonna be a good show. I'm I'm excited about this show. Um, so I'll tell you what, we we'll take this break. And then we'll come back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. We're in Phoenix living like it matters. And I have my friend with me, Aaron Whitman, sophomore catcher from Geneva College, the Golden Tornadoes. We'll be right back. The
2: opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly
0: You hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Aaron Whitman, sophomore at Geneva College, catcher for the Golden Tornadoes, is in the studio with me. If you're interested in calling, you can call us at 888-346-9144. I am back from the Hall of Fame City, and of course, you're listening to Rail of Sports here on the Voice America Network. Aaron, let's talk a little bit about this. I mean, there's one thing that is so much different if you're in, if you're a part of athletics and if you're athletic. And certainly you are, even though you won't give yourself credit. I, I, you know, I really do like humble athletes, but I, I think at times, particularly even like a young man like Aaron, uh, playing at a smaller college, uh, but extremely humble. Uh, sometimes those guys that are so humble are, are the last ones of which uh, get noticed or they're the last ones that the media may want to come over to get a good quote from. But in today's society, uh, you can get a quote from just about anybody, any place, and, and social media can get people in a lot of trouble. I know I've asked uh, Aaron to feel free to go ahead and let folks know that he's joined me here on uh, Voice America Sports, on Ray Ellis Sports today. And uh, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, if you will, Aaron. Social media. It was something that as an athlete in my generation we didn't have to we didn't have to worry about that. That was nothing that we had to be concerned about either as an active participant or something of which uh someone could could send out something about us or or take a picture of us and post it and, and put it anywhere and, and say anything about you and, and they don't have to necessarily be a media person uh but they have a platform where people all over the world could actually, you know, hear, if you will, uh, what they say, because uh, it's heard, although it's not audible, it's heard all over the world when somebody puts out a tweet or they put something on Facebook or Instagram. Do do you as an athlete or any athletes that you know this generation of people, period, do, do you guys really feel that every step of your life, is 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 being inva- invaded, and, and somebody else could be watching you, and they they could say and do whatever they want to, and put it out there for the for the world to see. How is it to live a life like that as an athlete, even though a smaller school? Are you guys concerned about that? Because it could be a small school, but it could all of a sudden be t- trending, if you will, <laughs> all over the world. Do you do you address that as a team? Are your coaches concerned about it? As you are you as an individual? Uh, concerned about those type of things.
1: I try to keep uh, my tweets and my Twitter rather calm, not like picking up anything. But there's rules in the NCA, something like you can't tweet or some tweet or use social media within a half hour or two hours, something like that. And they make
0: you guys aware of that. You guys are made I, aware of that.
1: As you can see, I don't remember it to the letter, but it's, but it's
0: been it has. Yeah, been, we're told
1: we were told. By I was told by a teammate or something at the beginning of the year, you aren't able to or you're not supposed to tweet from this to this time on game days, and I'm like, okay, that's not a big deal. But then, I mean, then there's always that one moment. You'd tweet something about the game or something afterward about your season starting up or something, and you get the divisional Twitter to respond or retweet you, and it's just like, okay, people are reading it so you know. People who are in charge of, the conference know your, twi- your Twitter and your tweeting, so you got to be careful a little bit. Are you
0: are you are you required to give them your handle uh, or to, to acknowledge that you have a Twitter account or Facebook account?
1: No, but uh, sometimes like it's at our conference or whatever. So I mean, if if we won a game, sometimes the tweet would be like, "Just beat W and J or whatever school it was," hashtag. Pack sports or whatever, and that would pretty much be saying, "Hey, we have. I have Twitter. There it is. Follow me or something." So wow. I mean, you got to be smart. I mean,
0: well, I, and that's interesting. You said you got to be smart because that—that's that, what the problem, be the, mean, the problem is. The problem is, once you push send, it's done. It's gone. Yeah, it, it's it's the, out there. And, it's on
1: the internet and in ink. I mean, you can't erase it. Even if you can delete the tweet, it's still seen, and people still know what you said. I mean, I'm rather low key on Twitter, so I mean.
0: So in terms of what we always had to be concerned about were interviews that would become uh, bulletin board material for for other teams and of course that bulletin board was in either the local newspaper or it was picked up on the ap wire and as i said that you know the, the ap op- obviously is something that's global uh but it's just a matter of if, if the newspapers decide to, to pick it up because even if it's on the wire everybody doesn't pick it up but in this particular case uh this could be even some things that have nothing to do with baseball, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. young people could be at a party and and, and perhaps maybe indulging in some things that they shouldn't indulge in. Have you guys ever had any experiences like that at, your, at the university where perhaps maybe uh, whether it's an athlete or or somebody who's not involved with athletics has gotten themselves in trouble with, with social media?
1: Oh, yeah, there are people we know, like, we'll see their tweets and we'll, like, we try to, we, in a way, we keep each other accountable, but... If somebody tweets something, we're like, Hey dude, you gotta take that off because mm. if the university sees that or if they've already seen it, it can be bad. I mean it's just something you gotta be smart about. So as a leader
0: on the team, you wanna be responsible and if by chance one of your teammates uh involved with a friend of his and retweets something that his friend re, you know, tweeted, even that's not a good thing to do. Because even though a retweet you don't own up to it, it's somebody else's tweet. And you're <laughs> saying you
1: agree with it or you you're I mean it doesn't matter if you're a leader or not. I'm a sophomore, so I'm not a leader of the team or anything. But if somebody in my team tweets something ridiculous that can get them in trouble or something along those lines, you just got to be like, hey, dude, that's not right.
0: And, you know, it's interesting that you say you're not a leader because you're a sophomore in the team. But I can just tell you this, as a, as a student-athlete, you're 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 perceived to be a leader for that university. You represent that university, yeah, yeah. and 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 more people than you think are interested in in what your opinion is and, and how you carry and conduct yourself. So, uh, and that's what happens to a lot of people. I, they're they're very innocent, uh, sometimes even to the point of of naive. As to, you know, I'm I'm just you know I'm just Aaron Whitman. I'm just yeah. a sophomore on yeah. on the, and I'm not really relevant. But the minute something happens. You all of a sudden are not just Aaron Whitman, you're sophomore, catcher (laughs) for for the golden tornado. And all of a sudden that's exactly right. And you're connected to a brand that's extremely important to a university. Let me ask you something. Does the university speak to you guys in those terms about you do represent this university, you do represent this school, this brand, Uh, we expect you to carry and conduct yourself in a certain way. And, and and we are concerned and, uh, and and want to be there to support you when you're doing things right. And, and, and we're going to be there to reprimand you uh, when you do things wrong. As a student athlete, are you guys having the conversations with the athletic director or the coaches or anybody like that? Because uh, it's a small community, I'm sure. Oh, it's a but, very small but, place. But again, but you represent that, that community as well that university.
1: It's not as much with the athletic director or with anything, but it's the coaches at the beginning of the year. Saying that they that gave us warnings of what we weren't, what we were supposed to stay away from and stuff. But I mean, it's just you—you'll yeah, get the. You're representing the school. You're representing your teammates. Just the standard stuff you usually hear, but it's not really taken as a huge deal until someone screws up. Like you're not gonna be—it's not gonna be a big deal if somebody's tweets or somebody's at a party or whatever and nothing's happening, it's not a big deal. But the one second somebody gets in trouble, then it's all of a sudden, like you said, it's, you're no longer just Joe Schmo. You're Joe Schmo of whatever school, whoever cares. And you're an athlete there.
0: Let, let, let's talk about a, another athlete, if you will. It's, it's it's not anybody who's from your school, but, you know, he, he was just a Joe Schmo until a couple of years ago. And in fact, since last year, uh, an outstanding football player, won a Heisman Trophy, but uh, you may not be on that level. But when you talk about what you do and 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 who you represent, he like you, he happens to be a student athlete. And the definition of a student athlete is a young man or woman who is enrolled at a university and participates on that team. Yes, that that's it. You know, you're there as a student attending the university, you participate on one of the sporting teams. So you represent that as a student. Yeah, athlete. He, uh, and, and here all of a sudden is a young man that's found himself uh, with a tremendous amount of success on the athletic field and has done something that may cause that is going to cause him a lot of trouble it's going to cause a lot of trouble for the university. But this is a young person who perhaps maybe may be right at the forefront of a serious change because there are some things that are going on when it comes to Johnny football that we need to address about a system that perhaps maybe wants to consider change because this young man has had tremendous amount of success. I believe he deserves to benefit from his success, but he is not permitted by the university or the NC2A. So, what we're going to do is, I want to let the people out there and Aaron stop and think a little bit about what's going on in the life of Johnny Football. Man, this kid is under some pressure. But so I have a lot of kids been that came much earlier than him and will come long after he's gone. But he right now is under a lot of heat. Okay, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Railroad Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Aaron Whitman, catcher for the Golden Tornadoes at Geneva College. We'll be right back. You hear the music, you know the show. you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. Aaron Whitman, catcher for the Golden Tornadoes at Geneva College, is in the studio with me. And just before we went to break there, we, we start, I kind of set things up where I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, something that's been very controversial in in, in sports, period. And if you go back, you know, there are going to be so many things that you can find uh, that perhaps maybe uh, when you have people who want to provide information with you, uh, but they don't want to you acknowledge who, who they are, uh, you'll find out that Johnny Football is not the first person to sign something and be paid for it. As a matter of fact, I think uh, my man Aaron Pryor uh, may have signed something and been paid for uh, a couple other guys at The Ohio State University. Uh, may have signed something and, and been paid for it. And and, and so what all I want to do is I can take let's take the, the name Johnny football out the picture. If somebody is willing to pay somebody, can you imagine how they're paying you for your signature? Now, your signature, my goodness, does your signature belong to anybody other than you? I mean, this is one of these things where, OK, it's it's your signature. They don't want a they don't want a, a counterfeit. They want you. They want to make sure that you sign. They want an authentic signature from you. It's your signature. Because you played this game of football and you've, you know, acquired tremendous amount of success and, and, and recognition and celebrity status. And these people kind of like you. You know, you're kind of cool to them. And they're willing to pay for your autograph. Now, they, they want a jersey, but the jersey they're willing to pay for a little bit more if it's got your signature on it, now the NC two A probably could sell that jersey, and they probably could sell that jersey because it's your jersey. And and if it wasn't your jersey, I don't know if number two was selling a lot prior to you putting it on. But certainly, once you put it on, the university sold a lot of them, and then when you sign it, it has more value to it. Now, there are some people, and I don't, I don't want to get Aaron in any trouble, so we're going to talk hypothetically. We're not talking about Aaron. <laughs> we're not talking about, we're just talking hypothetically. And, and, and hypothetically, you know, you have to understand too, these people that we're talking about hypothetically happen to be students that are at universities that parents pay a lot of money for them to attend, or either they work very hard to earn a scholarship to become educated and then when they find themselves in these classrooms we teach them the general principles of business and you know boy you know supply and demand demand why is somebody demanding this signature because this is uh, this person here is very well known the demand for this jersey prior to this person wearing it and being very well known was very small but now the demand is so high so the supply, you know, maybe they're going to increase the amount and and now or they could decrease the amount of the supply to to raise the cost of what one is willing to pay to get one of these jerseys. But it's only because his signature's on it. Now, hypothetically if if you a story like that was out there Aaron and you and there was somebody who, let's say, if they were a singer and they were a student athlete, I mean, they were they were in, in 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 music, studying music, or they or they were in theater and they were they were studying acting in, in college, and they got a chance to take a role in a movie, and then after the movie was over, the premiere was over, and they signed and they had a session where they got paid for that. Would that be wrong for that person to get paid? If they, I, I'm just trying to get no make sense of this. And that's interesting. You said nobody would care. Why is it that people care so much about the payment or or the benefits of student-athletes or athletes, period? Why is that? I mean, you're right. You said that. I'm glad you said that. Nobody would care because I don't think anybody cares what... The CEO of Chrysler makes, I, I, you right. know, and right. how he made his money if he gets paid to sign something else. Yeah, I, I really don't understand that. And so I, I just want to just go through this with somebody of a different generation to see if if there are people that really do care about. Now, I've heard some students that are pretty upset because. They think student-athletes already get, the, you know, they get the, the best meals, they get the best room and board, they fly all over the country. Uh, but what are some of the other things that are demanded of those student-athletes that the people might not understand that you perhaps maybe have a, a real good understanding of? Because, for one, you're a student-athlete, but two, you know, I, I think you've just observed athletics, period, over the years that I've known you, yeah. and you know how these people, how hard they work. It's not like you just give them something for nothing.
1: Yes, for... Well at Geneva College, athletes don 't have anything different. We go to practice instead of hanging out playing video games or whatever we, whatever you do so yeah. after you leave class you got to go we go to practice we go to the gym whatever we but your was, other
0: buddies that don 't participate in sports they,
1: they they go they go do whatever they want to do it's it 's different at d three compared to d one obviously we aren 't selling merchandise we aren't we aren't a uh, money maker for the school but In D1, how it's different? Like uh, the Fab Five did a documentary on TV a while back. That's right. They were upset because they were walking down the mall, or walking down the hall in the mall, or something, and they saw Nike Fab Five shoes written on the wall. That doesn't fly. It's that's their entity, or what they came to be known as, and other people are profiting off them. So if somebody else is profiting off you, that's not right, but that is what NCAA athletes is, a- athletics is. Um, Tim Tebow wrote a book, and in it he spoke. He was at a restaurant once, and they are like, you're an example, and it's amazing how you're an example for our kids. We'd like to buy your meal." The NCAA would have nothing of that. You c- You cannot accept money for that.
0: That's right. That, that, that could, be a, that could yeah, be a booster. That could be a booster. That could be a booster. Next that, thing you know, that's illegal.
1: That's illegal in the NTA.
0: And Tim Tebow c- couldn't go back as a as a former quarterback of University of Florida, and and there's a student athlete, potential student athlete for the university, and and he couldn't buy him stuff and give him stuff either. Yeah. T- because that's that's perceived to be that's, influencing that influencing decision. It. Yeah. It's. So I so so as as a student athlete. Like you said, some of your friends after classes uh they may go and 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 do some recreational things, but then also some of them may go to work
1: they may work yes i mean
0: and and then have money for the recreational things they want to do for the weekend
1: that's exactly right.
0: The student athlete doesn't have a chance at Division one
1: no. to go
0: to work during the season,
1: yeah, like uh, I had a teammate who who is now signed by a a professional team who. From what I'm told, I've never heard from him because he is a very humble guy. He didn't speak about himself, but I had heard from other teammates he had an opportunity to play D1 at Pitt, but as an engineer, or he was unable to. So, I mean, the time commitment and the time commitment for at Geneva being an engineering, being a big major there, and we, I have several teammates who that is their major, it just... The time commitment in that does not allow you to make money. It makes it very difficult for you to do anything but your sport and go to class.
0: And that, that has been a very well-documented story that Robert Smith – I think Robert, it might have been medicine that Robert wanted to study at at, at the Ohio State University uh, and, and had a run-in with – I think it was Coach Cooper at that time and uh, to the point where he basically wanted to quit the football team because he had a commitment to his studies that conflicted with the commitment that the t- coach wanted him to make in football. And uh, and they were at odds about that. You know, I may have have maybe maybe it was a different coach, but I think it was Coach Cooper. And and so uh, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen from time to time where there are uh, some guys who uh, who are interested in in taking uh, courses that would in terms of their schedule would conflict with the time that they're supposed to be on the football field. Yeah. And so that that that's a that's a a major concern. Uh, But certainly. Uh, that person uh, that you're talking about there, too, uh, you know, now think about if he if he wanted to take something that was very taxing to his time, then he certainly is not going to have a chance to work either. You know, it is, oh, there's, there's, a doubt. there's no well, way it that, work, I mean. <laughs> that person wouldn't get a chance to work. And so, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot to be told in the story. You know, you know, if somebody and again, the amount of work and, and somebody could say, well, signing autographs is, is not work. Well, it could be if somebody's if that's a job somebody wants to pay you to do
1: yeah, work, <laughs> you know, work is very a loose term. That's I mean. exactly
0: right. But 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 that. So Johnny was paid It's an autograph session. And supposedly he was paid to do that autograph session to sign his name, not sign some other names, because I, I, I'm not sure if some people know this, but there are autographs out there that are not authentic. Uh, no, fake. that never happens.
1: That can't happen. That's...
0: <laughs> and, and there are guys who actually are paid to sign those balls. Uh, of course, their job is probably to do something else, but they find themselves signing balls with other people's signatures on them. Uh, but but I just think this is a very laughable matter. You know, It's, it's very serious, but it's laughable because I think that there's, if there's anybody who, if if the situation was the reverse... And somebody wanted to pay them for their autograph, regardless of what they did. I think they would think that they would be t- certainly entitled. I, if somebody wants to pay, pay you for your autograph, I think you're entitled to that. You, you, you've done something that somebody thinks your signature is worth their, their, their hard-earned dollars. So if, if they want to pay you for that, you're entitled. Oh, I, yeah, can't, you, you know, I, I can't make anybody pay me to to, to sign something. You know, oh, you, yeah. you don't make people do that. If they want to pay you... That's the decision they make.
1: Exactly, they decide if they want you to. I mean, uh, I've never come into that opportunity, so I mean, it's just kind of crazy sounding. Somebody would want you to sign something that they value, other than a check at a bank or something. <laughs> no one cares about your signature other than that. That's exactly. But but but
0: you're exactly right. But it, there there is there's an industry out there called memorabilia, and the value increases with the status that a person reaches. And and, and and Johnny Football's statue of being the first freshman ever to win the Heisman Trophy is very valuable. That is a signature that on a piece of memorabilia is very yeah. valuable. And
1: it means something.
0: And yeah. it means something to some people who are who are sports collectors. Exactly. And and, and it may – I mean, God forbid anything would happen. I, I, I don't want to wish anything bad on Johnny Football, but no. let, let's say if something did happen to him and, and – and, Ten years from now, he's not around, so you can't get a signature. So when the opportunity presents itself, that's like anything—you have to strike when the iron is hot. Yeah. So Johnny basically is, you know, doing the best he can to capitalize off of something that he's worked very hard for. Now, now people have said that he's, you know, he's not in need of money. I, I like the line that Bill Cosby used on his show many years ago. Uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, set his daughter down who had came home from school on one of the shows. And, uh, you know, she was upset, uh, because her friends at school were teasing her. And, and, and they said to her, and, and Bill said, Well, what did they say to you, honey? And she said, Dad, they called me a rich girl. <laughs> and she was crying because they called her a rich girl. And Bill broke it down to her, Honey, you are not rich. <laughs> You have nothing. Your mother and I are rich, but you have nothing. So in this case, Johnny football, his parents may be well-to-do, but Johnny has nothing. He's a college football student athlete. He has nothing. So if he's trying to earn a couple dollars, that it is what it is, you know. But I. I, But again, it's it's the NCA who NC two A who has these rules. Who, consequently, last week decided that it was very hypocritical of them to be in the business of selling jerseys. I wonder whose jersey they were thinking about. It was hypocritical to be selling at that time. You know, happened to be, you know, and and because let's just say this, if he's under investigation of which he is, that investigation did not just start. mm, Last week. No, no I I think the report had already been in. They were already looking at him. And then when it was about to come up, then they realize, okay, we're selling this kid's jersey. Here here he is making money off his signature. We're going to tell him he can't sign and make money off his, but we're but selling we're, his jersey. We're going to
1: make money off him, exactly. Uh. Uh, no one would buy it.
0: <laughs> that just sounds a little strange. and In fact, that sounds a little hypocritical. All right, listen, we're going to take a break. Listen to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like a matters. We're going to take this break, and we'll be right back. you hear the music, you know the show. you listen listening to Railroad Sports on the Voice American America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Aaron Whitman, sophomore catcher. Geneva College Golden Tornadoes is in the studio with me. 888-346-9144 is the number you can call if you'd like to participate. Aaron and I have just been having fun in this studio. I've known Aaron for many years. Uh, we talked a little bit about social media. We talked a little bit about Johnny Football. Uh, now I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I've got a team back there. Uh, when we talked a little bit about the fact that he's here and got a chance to watch the Diamondbacks and, and the Orioles came to town, which is his favorite team, but I think they kind of disappointed him. I think he may want his money back for his airline ticket. Came all the way out here to see them. Um, I, I, I want to talk a little bit of, if we could. There, there's there's a story out about uh, shut helmets, and, and shut is in the business of making helmets, and 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 as an athlete, you know as even though my man uh, tells me he's not the best athlete on the team, uh, and that's again humility, I just like that. But but Aaron obviously is, is an athlete that wears a protect some protective gear, and, that, and that's that's you know the catcher's you know mask, uh, which is to protect some of your body. Here you have the people who are manufacturers of helmets, and we already made a comment earlier where I, I guess it's some organization that you know ncaa i don't know who they are right but anyway they they felt it was important for them to come out and make a statement that it it seems to be a little hypocritical for them to be selling jerseys but then you know this other stuff on the other side of the fence doesn't really make them look too good so hmm, maybe we ought to get out of the business so they're out of the business if you're a helmet manufacturer you make a statement that the best thing for you to do is not engage in the sport of football but you manufacture football helmets. D-d- is that a little hypocritical? Are, are they about to get out of the business? If if you were a person that were out shopping for a helmet now, Aaron, and and you were thinking about buying a helmet, and you looked on the back of shut product, it's a nice looking helmet, but it says you know there's there's a chance that you could you know get a concussion. There's a chance that you could you know hurt your neck there's a chance that you could be paralyzed there's a chance that you could even die uh, and 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 no helmet could prevent this and 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 the best way to eliminate all this risk is to not engage in the sport of football now would you think is that is that encouraging me to play football or is that discouraging me to play football and is that incur is that actually encouraging me to buy your product well i mean how, how would you read in that kind of message that t- is a warning but it's a message too
1: maybe they're trying to go out of business trying to quit selling helmets just out of some stupid. it sounds
0: like one of those late night tv commercials that come on and it tells you about you know all the side effects <laughs> and it's like i don't know if i really want to buy that you know with yeah. all those side effects you know but but is it do you think that okay and baseball football hockey you know all the the sports that where there is collisions, not yeah. not not contact. There are yeah. collisions. Uh, there's a, a level of concern. Uh, do you think that it's gotten to the point where certain of these warnings aren't, aren't going to keep them out of a court of law? Oh, it's not going to keep you out of a court of law. So so what, what's 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 the, what's the purpose of of, of telling somebody this? Is because first of all. I would have liked to have known this a long time ago. They didn't tell us. They didn't tell us these kind of things. So I'm a little upset that you're telling these guys you didn't tell me, you know, because if you're saying the best way to do it is is don't play the sport of football. That's what many of us are saying that years ago, they didn't tell us about all the things that could happen, because if they would have, then perhaps maybe somebody might have played baseball or basketball or tennis. But they didn't tell us. So I, in my personal opinion, I think if I read that, that might tell me or send a signal to me, I don't think I'm going to play that sport. And some people, I don't know about you, but there are some people that are not letting their kids play football. Did you witness any of that as you were growing up? There were some parents that because they've heard about the concussions now that they didn't want their kids to play football?
1: Yeah, there are people who, football, be it football or hockey, they didn't want their kids to play sports because of – potential danger and injury but i mean that's just the nature of the beast i mean baseball has injuries too it's just every sport there will be an injury like you can blow a knee or tear a term tear a muscle whatever it's gonna happen yeah when now you,
0: you don't but you as an athlete you're a current athlete i'm sure like i was when i was an athlete you don't approach the game being concerned about oh, no. getting
1: hurt no you can't do that you that. know,
0: now, now you know there there may be some risk involved. Like I told you, I, I'm I'm scared. Excuse me, I'm gonna say shitless to get behind the <laughs> home plate and catch. I, I wouldn't do that. And, there, and there's some other guys that you couldn't pay them on the baseball field to catch. They're not going to catch. They play right field. They play left field. Exactly. They play infield. They're not catching. They, no. They're just not going to do that. So the, and there, that's because there's some risk involved and there's some fear involved. Oh, yeah. But the person that plays that position
1: – You're conditioned you, to do it, I mean. You don't
0: think about it. Now, yeah. now, okay, now that's it. I like that word conditioned because it's a mindset. and And you're trained at a certain age to do certain things that – your focus is on the task at hand and not on what could happen. Am, am I correct in that? That, they, that they've got your focus more on that ball and following that ball than thinking about anything, any bat being swung exactly. or anything else.
1: Do you tell a wide receiver that's going over the middle that the linebacker is going to rip their head off when they catch it? You, you They do it anyways. I See, mean, that's,
0: that's what I'm saying. This, is, this, this statement doesn't – Fit the sport. You're exactly right. That's a great example. You don't, tell a, a line, you don't tell a wide receiver that you're going to go across the middle and a linebacker is going to kill you.
1: Oh, exactly. You don't <laughs> do that. I mean superstition may be part of it. You know in the back of your head it's going to happen. But if, as soon as you say it, like if I was looking at something and I read this will not protect you, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get a concussion wearing this. I'm not going to take that luck upon myself. I'm going to go buy a different brand.
0: There right. you go. That's another thing. If, if you put this in, now, I'm wondering it's if the other message, a little you, bit or, uh, see. I, I don't know if the other product a bad omen is or that whatever. strong. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be a bad. It, it could be a bad omen. That's exactly. That's, there is a lot of superstition around uh, sports. Sports you know are a superstitious
1: <laughs> business.
0: I mean. So, I, so that you're, you're exactly right. If I saw that warning, if that warning was not mandatory by the government. Then I probably would buy another helmet that didn't have such strong language on there to Without say that that just says the best way to
1: prevent is not to engage in the sport. And seriously, who would sue over a head injury whenever the sport is football? I mean, you're not gonna.
0: Oh, there's a lot of suits. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta admit, I'm part of a concussion lawsuit, and I, and, I, and I can say this. Uh, I don't know what I don't know, but. But the medical industry knows what I don't know, because they've done the research and they've run the tests and they have all the studies. So they know over a period of time, you know, things kind of it's a type of a a degenerative type of effect that long term, these are going to happen based upon, oh, it's just slowly coming up. But eventually this is what's going to happen now, even the way they're playing the game now, it's like, They're teaching them a different way. A different
1: technique to to do everything.
0: That's exactly right. And it's like, if you know that, why didn't you teach us? You could have taught us everything I learned to do. You taught me. So if you think you can teach these people different, then that means you could have taught me differently, but you chose.
1: Did they Mm -hmm. not know at the time? I mean, the medical advances and everything, it has come recently. Well, I I would say, you know what? And here's the thing
0: about it. I would say yes, with the exception of, Based upon what a helmet represents and, and what it's used to protect, uh, those type of studies have been going on forever, you know, whether oh, yes. it be military, you know, yeah. all, all those things. So so they that's and that's the kind of stuff that in, in my mind, again, I'm just hypothetical here. I would assume that that's the kind of information that you gather in a discovery to find out how much information somebody knew and if they re, if, if they held that information back. See, they have this information here. So now. To protect themselves, they're trying to tell you, well, we told you not to engage. And and so they're trying to minimize some of that risk. Oh, we got to minimize some of the risk of our show running over before we're ready to go. I don't want to go, but I guess I hear the music, so i got to go. Hey, it's been a great show. I've had a great time. I had my friend in the studio with me, Aaron Whitman, sophomore catcher for the Geneva Golden Tornadoes. He's going to be back. Yeah, I'm going to call him at home, at school, get him back on the show so we can finish this conversation. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Thank you, Ray. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.